It's Friday, October 11th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Put on your robes and grab your gavels. The Supreme Court is back in session. Oh, yay, oh, yay, oh, yay. And this year, the Supremes have a lot on their plate. So we're going to devote our show today to explaining just how their process works, why people are watching SCOTUS closely lately, what cases are up for debate this session, and how the Supreme Court may get involved in one of the biggest news stories of the moment. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. Sweater weather may be upon us, but for the Supreme Court justices, it's robe weather. There's always some inherent drama about the cases the judges take on. Since there are thousands of important and sometimes controversial court decisions made in lower courts around the U.S. each year that get appealed all the way up to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court can't hear everyone, so the ones it does choose often set major precedents or revolve around big constitutional questions. One of the reasons people are paying attention right now is that the courts changed a lot the last few years and could undergo more changes any time now. See, the Supreme Court has an odd number of judges, nine, and it's had a conservative majority since the early 70s. Right now, it's a five to four conservative to liberal split, and it's largely considered the most reliably conservative court in decades, meaning no last minute switcheroos. The five conservative justices are Clarence Thomas, Samuel Alito, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and John Roberts, the chief justice. And the four liberals are Stephen Breyer, Sonia Sotomayor, and Elena Kagan. And of course, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, RBG. Even though we focus a lot on the day-to-day behavior of presidents, one of their most important legacies is often viewed as the number of justices they pick, since those justices serve for life, as in, they way outlast a presidential term. So how's the Supreme Court changed recently? President Obama spent eight years in office and started off when the court had a 7-2 conservative majority. But after two judges retired in his first term, he got to pick both of their replacements, Sonia Sotomayor and Elena Kagan, which brought the court to a less extreme 5-4 conservative majority. Then, in February 2016, conservative Justice Antonin Scalia suddenly passed away. And with Obama still in office, he was supposed to pick a replacement, meaning the court would get its first liberal majority for the first time in more than 40 years. But Senate Majority Leader Republican Mitch McConnell said, not so fast, that the Senate wouldn't even consider approving a new judge in a presidential election year. Here he was at the time. The Senate will appropriately revisit the matter when it considers the qualifications of the nominee the next president nominates. This totally upped the ante. Presidential election years had never been used as a reason to not fill an empty seat. But for McConnell and conservatives, it paid off. They waited until President Trump won and finally picked Scalia's replacement, conservative Neil Gorsuch. So that 5-4 conservative majority stayed put. Then, last year, moderate conservative Justice Anthony Kennedy retired, and Trump replaced him with Brett Kavanaugh. You probably remember those confirmation hearings last fall after Dr. Christine Blasey Ford publicly accused Kavanaugh of sexually assaulting her in high school, which he denied. This confirmation process has become a national disgrace. The Constitution gives the Senate an important role in the confirmation process, but you have replaced advice and consent 
with search and destroy. Kavanaugh went on to serve his first term on the Supreme Court, which means the Supreme Court still has that five to four conservative majority. But in his first term, President Trump's already appointed two conservative justices in their early 50s, who are likely to stick around for decades. So is that why some people have been making such a big deal about RBG? It's definitely one reason. Liberal Ruth Bader Ginsburg is the court's oldest currently serving justice, at 86, and she's had several recent fights with cancer. She has said she doesn't plan to retire. And another liberal justice, 81-year-old Stephen Breyer, hasn't said whether he will. But liberals worry that, should something happen to either of them, and Trump gets to pick one or both of their replacements, the Supreme Court could tilt even further to a 7-2 conservative majority. Which means the decisions they make could change the direction of the country for decades to come. And this time around, McConnell says he has no problem filling an empty seat in an election year. So that's the backdrop to the court sitting down to hear another season's worth of big, country-changing legal cases. We mentioned earlier this week that two of the first cases the court heard this time had to do with whether gay and transgender people are protected under the Title VII laws that protect people from being discriminated at work. The justices just heard the cases, but they haven't released a decision yet. The next case we'll hear is about DACA, Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals. It's a big immigration case. Remember, President Obama created the DACA program back in 2012, saying that immigrants who are brought to the U.S. before turning 16 should be protected from deportation and should have the chance to get a work permit. After President Trump took office in 2017, he said DACA should be canceled. Lower courts have disagreed over this one so far. Some federal judges have said that decision by Trump was unlawfully, quote, arbitrary and capricious. While another judge said Obama's decision to start the program was likely unlawful to begin with. So now the Supremes have to play tiebreaker. We'll get to hear that case in November. And the court's decision on this case will impact the lives of close to 800,000 young immigrants. Next up, abortion. Remember, back in the 70s, the Supreme Court case Roe v. Wade said people should have access to safe, legal abortion. The Supremes have taken up other abortion-related cases since then. But now, the court's about to take up its first abortion case since Brett Kavanaugh was confirmed to the court. So what is the case? It's called June Medical Services v. Gee, and it's about a new Louisiana law that says any doctor performing an abortion needs to have admitting privileges at a nearby hospital. The case they're hearing is nearly identical to a Texas case they heard a few years ago. The Supremes struck down Texas's law, but Justice Kennedy, remember moderate conservative, was the deciding vote in that one. And like we said, he's enjoying his retirement right now. We expect to hear this new case in Louisiana later in the term. So we'll have to wait and see whether the justices agree with their own precedent. And there's another really big case that we might hear this term. It's about the Affordable Care Act, a.k.a. Obamacare. That's considered Obama's signature legislation. And one part of the law required everyone to have health insurance or face a fine. It was called the individual mandate. And it got taken to court. Back in 2012, the Supremes gave the ACA the green light. 
saying that fines could be imposed under Congress's power to levy taxes. It was a big win for the Obama administration. But Republicans in Congress have tried to repeal or break apart the ACA practically since it was signed into law. And back in 2017, they gutted the individual mandate by reducing the tax for not having insurance to zero dollars. Now, a coalition of Republican state attorneys general say that zero dollar quote unquote tax is unconstitutional. And that since tax was so key to the law, the whole law should be thrown out. A federal judge in Texas agreed with that argument. And the case is now awaiting a ruling from the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals any day now. Depending on that court's ruling, this political hot potato could end up at the Supreme Court, right smack dab in the middle of a presidential election year. But these cases may not be the only main event. The last few weeks may have put another big item on the horizon for the Supremes. Impeachment. Last month, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi signed on to a formal impeachment inquiry into President Trump, following reports that he pressured Ukraine's president to dig up some dirt on former VP Joe Biden. Pelosi said that the president using his position to solicit help from a foreign government to potentially damage a political opponent violates the Constitution. The president must be held accountable. No one is above the law. If the House votes to impeach, the Senate, which is Republican-led, holds a trial. They pretty much act like the jury, with a two-thirds vote required to actually convict the president and remove him from office. Enter the Supreme Court. The Constitution requires that a presidential impeachment trial is presided over by the Supreme Court Chief Justice. That would be Chief Justice John Roberts, which would be a huge shift from his usual closed-door proceedings in the Supreme Court. And while the Chief Justice is in that role, presiding over impeachment, they still have to do their normal job of being the top judge in SCOTUS. This is something that then-Chief Justice William Rehnquist struggled with when he presided over President Bill Clinton's impeachment trial two decades ago. The trial lasted a month. Rehnquist presided over it in full Supreme Court wear from the podium in the middle of the Senate chamber. Moments after the Senate voted not to impeach, Rehnquist gave his farewell address. And you could hear how senators, even after a month, still didn't really know what to make of their house guest. Uh, the chair wishes to make a brief statement without objection, I trust. Uh, more, more than a month ago, I first came here to preside over the Senate sitting as a court of impeachment. I was a stranger to the great majority of you. I underwent the sort of culture shock that naturally occurs when one moves from the very structured environment of the Supreme Court to what I shall call, for want of a better phrase, the more free-form environment of the Senate. And with that, Rehnquist went back to the Supreme Court chambers where he belonged. As for Chief Justice Roberts, it's pretty rare for him to speak out publicly. And when he does, he's big on separating the work of the Supreme Court from the political polarization of the rest of the government. Some people say that in such politically charged times, it may be hard for Roberts to maintain that image of impartiality if it comes down to an impeachment trial. So what's the skim? The Supreme Court is back in session, and with the court leaning more heavily conservative, people are watching closely to see how they decide a number of hot-button cases, including on LGBTQ rights, on abortion rights, and on the rights of young immigrants. In the meantime, 
people will also be watching the makeup of the court in case any justices leave the bench. President Trump is allowed to put anyone on the bench he wants, as long as the Republican-controlled Senate agrees with him. That could change not just the decisions the court makes for now, but also set precedent for decades to come in the United States. And that's all for Skim This. If you want to learn more about the Supreme Court and how it actually works, we have a great deep dive on our website, theskim.com slash guides. Skim HQ is honoring Indigenous Peoples Day on Monday, but we'll be back in your ears on Tuesday. Also back on Tuesday, our morning newsletter, The Daily Skim. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox. You can sign up at theskim.com.